0: Hello, and welcome to the Spoonie Authors Podcast, a podcast where we explain the life and stories of a different disabled author each week. I'm your host, Diana Gunn, and today we are joined by Kaki Olsen. Kaki Olson never met a fairy tale she couldn't reframe or a world she couldn't make a little more complex. Since her debut novel, Swan and Shadow, was published in 2016, she has written things ranging from the modern Jewish story of the Nutcracker... ...to how the world coped with the first astronauts lost in space. She works an office job by day, reviews the arts by night, and travels as much as time and public safety allows... ...which isn't much these days. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, Khaki! It's nice to see you.
1: You too. It's great to be here.
0: (laughs) So, can you tell us a little bit about your project, Just One Chance?
1: Well, this is actually kind of one of my favorite projects that I've worked on, and it's something that I'd like to expand into a larger universe. It was part of a charity anthology that featured marginalized characters, and we had a list to choose from. And so I ended up choosing three traits, which were maiden, time traveler, and android, and writing the story of how this dragon-smuggling android managed to save a human colony by convincing them to have an unusual sense of compassion. And I have a lot of stories that are based around that universe, as well as the raising of a dragon on a spaceship and various things like that. But I think it's a fascinating way to kind of integrate space travel into the promise of a new world. But also to see how things can go horribly wrong if under the wrong circumstances.
0: <laughs> Sounds awesome. I am always a fan of science fantasy. Mm -hmm. The whole genre matching is an adoration. So what inspired you to write this story and start building this world?
1: Well, specifically, the story began with the title of the publisher. It was The Dragon's Rocket Ship. And when I found out that my friend was working for it and that they were looking for stories My first instinct was, what kind of moron puts a dragon on a rocket ship? That's completely (laughs) impractical. And then my brain came up with this story, and it blossomed into this absolutely necessary thing. And it really, I didn't expect it to go as far as it did, except it, it got influences from Doctor Who. It got influences from World War II history and the siege of... Leningrad and the way people were able to uh, support each other, and on the other hand, what compromises they had to make. And so I found a lot of different ways to integrate things that we know about with, of course, what science fiction and fantasy deal with, which are the great unknowns.
0: Awesome. So speaking of those great unknowns, why have you chosen to use supernatural elements, things like dragons as metaphors for personal obstacles that we face in real life what is the power of these t- these tools as metaphors
1: well i uh, not to stigmatize it or anything but i remember reading a fascinating round robin discussion during high school i took a horror writing collective class and we read a an article called in pursuit of pure horror in which they talked about The Telltale Heart by Edgar Allan Poe, and considered the things that people were afraid of during his time and what the corollary in modern times would be. And one of the things that they came to a consensus of is that one of the things that modern people both avoid trying to understand and to try to gain a better understanding of is mental illness because it's something that not everyone can understand on their own. Not everyone will experience it on a diagnosable scale, but they know that it is a presence and they know that it is something that is going to have an effect on their lives. And a lot of times that unknown is what it affects their interpretation of it. And so I see a lot of parallels with that, with things that we can't understand or can't put into our own frame of reference, as something that we can do in terms of exploring strange new worlds for better, lack of a better word for it.
0: Interesting.
1: And so how does that,
0: that thought process actually shape the stories that you tell within this world?
1: I'll give you a specific example. Um, With an upcoming story that I'm working on, I had discussed with my roommate kind of what coming of age events would occur within this world where they are literally on a generation ship. So some of the people who boarded the ship will be too old to actually survive to the landing. And so they have also these entire uh, families of people who have never set foot on n- normal land. And that's an unusual thing. So they we were discussing it Uh, what things they might have instead of, for example, a driver's license. And we uh, ran into this problem that putting a dragon in a spacesuit in an oxygen-rich environment with the dragon having a bit of a panic disorder would be a recipe for disaster. But on the other hand, it's unjust to let anything deny one person a specific experience just because you're not willing to make an accommodation for it. And so we started exploring ways in which they could extend this experience not only to the dragon, but to other people who may not be able to cope with that kind of challenge, to other people who may have various reasons or various circumstances that make them feel set apart, make them feel unusual or unable to integrate in what we might consider a typical environment. And so I think a lot of that can have a parallel personally speaking to a lot of people's different experiences. I mean, it doesn't have to be neurotypical versus quote unquote uh, atypical or people with the disorders versus people who do not consider themselves to have disorders. But I think that a lot of this, I mean, you can take it as a metaphor, but you can also take it as a straight up development or evolution of human understanding. Yeah. So I think I really go into these things to explore what we can do when we are fi- faced with extraordinary things that we have to treat as ordinary life.
0: Yeah, I love that. Um, so how uh, do you actually approach the mental health uh, and particularly mental illness in your stories? You said that your dragon character has a panic disorder
1: uh he mostly has well this is a slightly drawing on my experience i have post-traumatic stress disorder as well as depression myself and a lot of times i found that the day-to-day experience of my ptsd resembled a lot more a panic disorder than it did anything else and this was an actually an observation that a friend shared with me and i realized to be true and so it, it it Ranges between, his typical response ranges between a little bit of a social anxiety and outright panic and outright terror of things that are beyond his control. He has, or sorry, I keep on misgendering him. His name is Novus, which is a male name, but her name is Novus and therefore is a female dragon. So I apologize to my dragon for misgendering her, (laughs) but... Sorry, I I've lost track of the question. Uh. Okay, sorry. What were in well, mental health and yes, we talked about the panic disorder, and then I got onto a tangent. Yes. I swear, sometimes I just talk ahead of my brain. Sorry. Anyway, I find that it's not necessarily something that I consciously do with my characters. Uh, for example, in another of my projects the one that I mentioned in my biography with the modern Jewish retelling of The Nutcracker. There is no real diagnosis for what the main character is going through, but she has just lost her mother to cancer, and so that has a definite effect on it. As Spock might say, he is emotionally compromised. Also, uh, there's a character in my debut novel named Ashlyn who people actually consider her to be something of a special needs character when really it's a lack of understanding and a lack of wanting to put things into humanizing her because they just don't take the time to actually know her. But it's really something that kind of, I listen to the characters as they talk to me about what things are their greatest fears of what things are their safe places. A wonderful example that uh, Gail Carson Levine, who wrote Ella Enchanted, told me once was that if you need to understand a character, you have to go through their pockets, see what they cannot live without, see what they might always be forgetting, see what they uh, consider to be their essential part of their life, and to go from there. And so I think sometimes character development is a matter of seeing that. uh, In reference to specifically the mental health, one of the most illuminating conversations I had with a character was when uh, I wondered what her greatest fear was. And she couldn't very well articulate it, but a few months after that, the Boston Marathon bombing happened. And my character let me know very clearly in my head that this was her actual greatest fear. It was her worst case scenario. And so there are things where we can certainly set down a list of diagnoses, a list of uh, symptoms or behaviors, but as with any mental illness or mental health, or even with any person lacking those issues, it's something that has to be a conversation and an ongoing evolution.
0: Definitely. Definitely. That is a fascinating uh, approach. I really like the quote about going through a character's pockets. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, I definitely think that's, you know, there are a lot of things that we're told to look at in character development that are just like mundane things like what's a character's (laughs) favorite color? And I don't think those details necessarily have much import. Uh, Like, unless your character's, you know, uh, an artist or a fashionista, their favorite color's probably not going to be super important to the story. Um, Or particularly even that much of an important part of who they are. Um, But you do, like, what they carry on them. What they're forgetting (laughs) all the time. Uh, those details absolutely do make a huge difference um, and can actually tell you if you look at them right and you consider why a person's carrying that or forgetting mm-hmm. that can also really give you a deeper picture into someone's mental
1: health. Well I'd actually like to reference something that I admire about a particular author who has occasionally written on people with uh, atypical mental statuses and her name's jodi pico i'm sure you've heard of her i don't know if you've read her but in one one book called the house rules she has a uh, narrator with asperger's and he insists on wearing the same colors for each day of the week so on monday it'll be orange on tuesday it will be blue on wednesday it will be green and this even corresponds to his food and Until you get into the character's perspective, you don't really realize that it is not just a preference for that day of the week with that particular color. It's a matter of routine. It's a matter of safety and what he can predict and what he can control. So I love that she included that just because your thought on the main character's favorite color being a thing. But I saw that in how she portrayed it and how it was useful.
0: Yeah, and it can be useful. It, de- it really does depend on the character, but for a lot of characters, that's, you know, really especially <laughs> especially in science fiction and fantasy, where a lot of the characters are going to be, you know, wearing uniforms or in circumstances that kind of dictate what they wear, and they don't really have much <laughs> choice.
1: That is very true. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Like, I don't know, your characters are on a spaceship because they live on that spaceship all the time. I'm assuming they don't spend all their time in uniform, but I'm assuming quite a few of them do spend considerable time in uniform or in a spaceship. Even when they're
1: not in. For example, I have a lot of civilians on that ship, and while they would love to go out and get something new at the mall, there is a limited number of dies. There are a lot of restrictions on kinds of thread that they're able to do. There's a certain rationing for clothing allowances. And obviously this is something that they can work with, but it's kind of like you're wearing a school uniform for the the civilians where you have to take what you're given and make it your own.
0: Yeah. And, you know, that kind of world building kind of nullifies that. But... Yes. (laughs) You know, in other worlds, certainly in our own world, I can see it being a a bigger deal I just don't really know a lot of contemporary writers anyway
1: (laughs) (laughs) well you're talking to someone who talks non-stop about Tolkien so I can understand that (laughs) yeah Um, so
0: we've talked about how you approach mental health and mental illness in your own stories how Mm -hmm. would you like to see mental health and mental illness approached In other stories How would you like to see representation Change in the media Landscape, not just publishing But all of it
1: Um, I'm going to refer to two different circumstances One of them fictional, one of them not And just approach how I would like to see that Kind of change Uh, The fictional one, I had The privilege of editing a book In which the main character at the time that he turns 16 develops a certain uh, behavioral set, but he also does, uh, develops a certain mentalities. And we eventually discover that what he has is bipolar disorder. And he uses uh, these uh, traits of the disorder as actually his superpowers. But the problem was that the author in question actually side as bipolar people are angry all the time, or they can't actually get out of bed. And I have many friends who have bipolar disorders of either type one or type two, and I have extensive, more extensive experience with those things because I have seen the ways in which it will manifest. And so I would like to see more representation in fiction where people have given real research into what traits they're ascribing to their people. Um, to use another one of my projects, I have a high-functioning autistic princess who a lot of her uh, mannerisms, a lot of her feelings about the world around her are why she actually befriends in this story a pack of dragons who are terrified of humans. And so I had to do a lot of research into but sp- simply because she actually walked into my brain And wouldn't talk to me and eventually I figured out that she had a verbal output disorder and it took me four weeks of research to find out which one. But I feel like authors would benefit from giving that kind of consideration to any time that they feel the need to make their characters different from what you might consider to be an average fictional character. On the other hand, in the non-fictional world, I remember the death of Robin Williams and how people were suddenly very invested in understanding depression better. And I feel like this is something where a lot of people in this world, I'm not saying that it's just because of the pandemic, but I'm seeing a tendency towards what I've seen described as positive toxicity, where people are so overwhelmed with the... um, experience of what we're going through, that they do not want to see that people are struggling with this. They want to see that people are able to keep their chin up and pull themselves up by their bootstraps, but they don't want to understand the level of problems that people are having. I actually started taking medication for the first time in years because of the way that I've had to deal with all of this. And I'm glad that I was able to draw on those resources. But I would like to see a greater understanding and a greater need to get inside each other's head than we're currently willing to do. I have no problem with people wanting to get through this as best and as positively as they can. But I would love to see a lot, of more, a lot more compassion between all areas of the spectrum for those who need to take it in a different way.
0: Absolutely. And I think the other side of that too is, you know, it it really becomes toxic when you say that positive thinking will cure all of your problems because, you know, a lot of people's problems are systemic. They're outside of themselves. Like, yes, when it's a mental illness, there are a lot of things that we can do to actually make it better to live with and to, you know, find a way to build our lives around it. But there's a pandemic out there millions and millions (laughs) of people have lost their jobs thousands and thousands of people have died it's you know and then there's civil unrest everywhere and it's it's been a really hard year and those aren't problems we can solve with positive thinking those are problems that need to be solved with first off acknowledging that those problems are real and then taking real action and those toxic positivity people don't even acknowledge those problems really they just bury their heads in the sand and they don't ever take the action that is needed
1: Mm -hmm. i think one of the least helpful responses i've ever seen is a friend who has the virus and has had an unusually difficult time with it They posted about it and about their hospitalization. And while many people did what I wished people would do and had compassion for them and worried about their well being and wanted to know what it was they would need, I saw a few people telling them to brush it off. And I worse saw people saying, Are you sure you can't just take a supplement to get over this? And I think for me, That just goes back to the idea of I don't want you to experience this Not because It would be difficult for you But because it's a problem I don't want to deal with And so I feel that the best response In any circumstance Today or in the future Is really kind of what I saw best in a Disney movie Where Kristoff in Frozen 2 Sees that his beloved Anna Is in distress And he says I'm here how can I help that is not expecting us to understand each other's struggles. It's not expecting us to fix them, but it's expecting us to just be present and be willing to work within the other person's needs.
0: Exactly. I think that's really important. I think that's important for us to have in our regular interactions. And I would honestly love to see more of that kind of interaction in fiction, more truly supportive relationships and friendships. Uh, I understand that relationships and friendships are an easy place to mine for conflict. Mm -hmm. But I do think that we default to that too easily, and we don't portray enough strong relationships for people to even really know what a healthy, strong relationship looks like?
1: This is something that I actually could have a not necessarily a pet peeve, but something I try to overcome is the trope of people not being honest with each other not on an emotional level. I can understand, and circumstantially being dishonest with someone, to protect them etc but i love fiction where i can find characters that rely on their families who are able to talk to their um friends who are not afraid of telling things for the way they are
0: yeah absolutely i hope to see more of that um yeah, and I think that brings us to the end of our questions. It's been lovely chatting with you, and uh, you just to wrap up, where can people go to find out more about you and your work?
1: Well, with me specifically, you can always look for me at kakiolsencreative.com That's K-A-K-I-O-L-S-E-N creative.com I also am the co-host of a podcast on Tolkien and ph- philosophical themes that we can explore together and that's A Sacred Fellowship which is found on iTunes but between those two you can probably find every mode of contact with me and also on Facebook I'm at Kaki Olsen, the author page and Kaki Olson Creative for the uh, Facebook group.
0: All right. Okay, so since you're on this podcast, I have a, a bonus question to ask you specifically. Mm. Your bio says that you have never found a world you couldn't make more complex. How would you complicate Middle-earth? <laughs> <laughs> the master of world-building, how would you complicate his
1: world? <laughs> Oh, gosh. Well, for one thing, I would bring everything that we don't know that is explained in things like the Silmarillion and the History of Middle Earth. There are so many books that are out there that give us a little more insight to things. But in terms of the Middle Earth as we see it in the books themselves, I would definitely drain a little of the innate humanity that he has in the characters because he has wonderfully flawed characters and wonderfully able characters that are able to overcome astounding things but if they were a little more selfish or if they were a little less confident in their ability to explore the unknown it could have had very different endings so I think I would people give people a little less perspective of their role in a greater story and I think that could change everything
0: so what you're saying is that you would make other people a little more like Boromir
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wonderful reference. Yes, I would make a lot. More, well, not necessarily Boromir. There's Denethor. There's oh, there are so many characters who are just a few degrees shy of being an evil overlord if they're in the wrong circumstance. But yes, <laughs> I would <laughs> make people a little more uh, centered on the wrong things.
0: Uh, Boromir is just the one I assume everyone else will know, right? (laughs)
1: yes well my co-host actually has never ever read the books and so does not yet know who Boromir is it's going to be fun to get her through that
0: (laughs) oh wow this sounds like a very interesting podcast I'll have to check Mm -hmm. it out all right we're done thank you so much for joining us and good luck surviving the rest of 2020 (laughs) thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Spoonie Authors Podcast The Spoonie Authors Podcast is part of the Spoonie Authors Network, a community initiative devoted to sharing the stories of disabled authors and educating abled people about what life is like for disabled creatives. Transcripts of this podcast are also available on the Spoonie Authors Network. To learn more or become a contributor, visit spoonieauthorsnetwork.blog. And of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast streaming platform.